What's going on everybody? Welcome into Daftix uh, Season 2. We're glad to be back. It's been a little bit of a layover. Uh, with me today I have uh, Parker, our esteemed producer. Hello. And of course we have Aaron on the line. The buzzing you hear is uh, going to be just fine. Just just let it all slip away. So a uh, big, big weekend of course just happened. We had the draft. Not to mention we have uh, free agency upcoming next week. All the trades that went down and uh, a, just a very busy summer thus far. Um, so first of all, what do you guys think of the draft? I mean, like it was, it was pretty good, pretty talent-packed, if you ask me. I mean, I've never really been good with evaluating prospects, so I think for the most part, I mean, it went well. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, uh, one thing I noticed was there was a lot of USA prospects. Like the the national team development program did really well this year. There was two. I don't know if it was 20 in the first two rounds, but there was, I think there was 12 total in the first round. Yeah, I saw there was a thing where five players from the U.S. developmental team were drafted in the first round. I, I think they broke the record for the most USA draft picks before pick 10, so that's pretty cool. I mean, you like to see it for sure. Um, another team that did really well, or another country that did really well, was Russia. They had a, a staggering number of players picked in the draft this season, which is... Uh, it shows you how the KHL has grown over there too, and how that's developed uh, into NHL prospects. You know, um, Parker, how do you think Tampa did this season with the draft? Do you think they made out all right? Yeah, they've more or less done the same thing that they do every draft, where in the within the first round they grab a prospect who's considered to be very safe, very easy to develop, and who's probably going to be a decent NHL player. And then in the later rounds, they would grab some obscure Russian prospect that no one's heard of besides the Tampa front office and a bunch of NCAA overagers. One thing I found kind of interesting about Tampa was they said um, Steve Eiserman, prior to leaving the organization, spent like a month just scouting in Europe. Like he, when he stepped down and Brisbane took over, but before he left the, as an entirety, he actually went scouting and that's, I guess, how he found uh, more information on Mord Sider, who ended up drafting in Detroit. So that kind of played into it too. I thought that was interesting. I mean, he's not a talent scout, but he's Steve Eiserman. You know, you think uh, think he'd have somebody else to do that for him. I mean, it doesn't help to do it yourself. Uh, you know, I guess so. How did uh, how do you think Detroit did in their draft? So, I had um in front of me. I have our our little notes, and one thing I thought was very interesting was Mort Sider, who is not ranked as a uh, how do I put this delicately? He's a good puck mover, he's not a great defender, and he needs to get bigger and better at that. So he was a bit of a reach at number six, I think. Um, and another guy they drafted was, I'm going to try not to butcher this, Robert Mastrosimone. He was, uh, I believe, another U.S. program player at 54 in the second round. He was um, a good value pickup. They all in all did pretty well. They drafted a goalie, I'm pretty sure. Like They filtered the system pretty well. Yeah, it makes sense because they don't really have a goalie. Well, I mean, I mean, okay, okay, that sounds terrible. Sorry, Jimmy Howard. <laughs> I mean, Howard's not bad, but his his golden days are have been behind him for a while. But it's also kind of hard when you don't have any defensemen. Yeah, I mean, like it's not like they reached for like a big goalie. Like I know Minnesota took the second best goalie in the draft, which was Hunter Jones. After that, the goalie prospect pool sort of falls off. Um, I I mean they they did okay. I. I think the first year the Iser plan went about as they expected. Aaron, um, one thing I wanted to talk to you about was, uh, you know, we're both Pittsburgh fans. How do you feel Pittsburgh getting the draft this season? Uh, I feel, mm, it's tough, but I feel overall 
for the whole draft. I definitely like the Poland pick, you know? I think it was a safe pick. They uh, they picked up um, uh, Nathan Lanier, two in the second round, too, I think, or the third round, which was a good pickup, too. Pickups, for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think the only, the only teams that really failed, if you want to call it that, was maybe Ottawa. <laughs> like Lassie Thompson at uh, what was it, nineteenth, and uh, they drafted like a goalie who's not very highly projected. They they made some really questionable picks. The funny thing was, wasn't their GM like nominated for an award a couple years ago? Yeah, I think so. And uh, after that, how do you do a draft this bad? Like, is he always been a questionable talent evaluator? Like, is just just like a one-off thing for him, or? Yeah. It's, it's really hard to say. I mean, he's... It doesn't seem like he really has full control there. Like, I think the guy who runs that ship is Eugene Melnick, quite frankly. Oh, that's never a good thing when your owner's uh, really... Uh, over, over, over Over who's, like, who's managing, like, the day-to-day operations of uh, sports. Well, not to mention, it seems like... Um, who was the coach? Guy Boucher? Like, I felt like that wasn't long to be and I mean of course he was fired after two seasons three seasons but like now Mark Crawford comes in he's not exactly a like he's a big name but he's not a great name you know he's he's succeeded and failed but for that kind of group I mean is that really what you need not to mention what I thought was really interesting was that prior to Carlson re-signing with the Sharks he said that he would consider going back to Ottawa and then that just fell through, like, was it, were they not going to offer him a contract? Like, I don't know what's going on there. So they have a terrible offseason last season, right? They, they traded away what ended up being a lottery pick to Colorado, which I think that was the fourth overall pick, was Bo Byram from Ottawa, what would have been. So you trade away essentially Bo Byram. You don't have Duchesne anymore. You don't have Ryan Zingel. You barely have a goaltender. You don't have Mark Stone. Thomas Chabot is the literal only bright spot on that team. Literal only bright spot. And, I mean, yeah, he's a great defenseman, but how much more can he do? Like, okay, they got um, Eric Braunstrom from Vegas. That's a good pickup. And they did do a decent deal to recoup some of their picks, but, like, that's not a good offseason, especially when your draft is a defenseman that you could have gotten later and forwards you could have gotten later. You don't trade up, you don't trade back, you don't do anything. You just sit pat and take what you find best. Like That's not a good draft strategy. Um, so all in all, I think Ottawa failed. And honestly, I think the Islanders had a rough draft too. They drafted, I think his name was Simon Holmstrom, um, colloquially known as the guy who does not smile. Uh, he was not a good pick. And I mean, I'm sure he's a decent player, I'm sure he's going to maybe carve out a niche role in the NHL. There's roles on the third and fourth line available. You don't draft a fourth liner in the first round. Like, that's just not your goal. And that seems like that's what they did. Lou Lemerlo skipped over Arthur Kaliev, who we knew he was going to skip over. He skipped over Bobby Brink um, and Raphael Lavoie. So he skipped over three talented players for a guy who is a big meme, essentially. So that's... I mean, the draft... All in all, though, was good. I think the what do you think the most surprising thing from the draft was? We'll start with Parker. Just go around the table. Oh, jeez, I really don't know that much about 
the stuff, but I, I would I would say uh, I, I don't want to say Spencer Knight, but I'm gonna say Spencer Knight because it's just so weird seeing goalies get drafted in the first round. Well, that's like because like with the last few goalies I've been drafted in the first round, like the one that's panned out is Andre Vasilevsky. Like a lot of the other ones, uh, Jack recently, Campbell. Who? Jack Campbell. Who? The oh, for LA. Oh, like, oh, yeah. Oh, him. Which he was the first round pick for the Stars. I mean, he's barely an initial goalie four years in, five years in. I mean, and and there is some, there is some evidence that shows that Knight is going to be a good goalie. Um, he's still. It's weird seeing a goalie go. What was he twelfth or thirteenth? Thirteenth. So that's. I mean, Florida needs him, but it's, it's, that's weird to see for sure. Aaron, how about you? Who do you think was the surprise of the draft, at least in the first round? Uh, we were just talking about him. I, to me, it's Holmstrom. Yeah. To me, that's just way too far off the board to be picking someone of that caliber, which is a very low-caliber forward and probably a low-ceiling forward. And, and a mean guy, it looks like, too. Not a, not a very welcoming guy. Um. If I had to give my biggest surprise, I guess uh, Cole Caulfield going 15th. I mean, he could have been a top five forward, top five player in general, and uh, to fall to the Canadians. I mean, where have we heard this before? The Canadians pick up a USA scorer whose uh, size is in question, you know? Even with the size, the NHL is striving on... Well, yeah, I mean, obviously. Yeah, you got to look at uh, Johnny Gaudreau. You can even look back... Uh couple seasons ago to when Tyler Johnson had that big year in the playoffs and obviously uh, Marty San Louis. Well, not even that far. Think about recently, Alex Debrinkat was left into the second round of the Blackhawks. You would think GMs would get the, the note like, hey, we shouldn't leave a guy out of the first round because he's small. Like, I, I just don't get it. Even a guy like Mitch Marner, like, okay, he's six foot on skates. He's not a tall guy. And look, he's going to get paid $11 million probably this offseason. And that's because of how good he is. Like I don't understand the whole adage about being big. Isn't Dylan Larkin a guy He's, on the smartest side? Too? Yeah, I mean, and Dylan Larkin is, I'd say, one of the most underrated. Th- I mean, he he is the best player, even with Zadina, even with Cider joining them now, and even with Mantha there. Dylan Larkin is the best player there. I'd say he's the best player Detroit's had since Datsuk, probably. I mean, he's... He's the best player by a landslide on his own team right now. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, he's... he's When it's all said and done, I think he'll also be one of the best players in USA history. I mean, he's just so underrated. He is so good on both ends of the puck. Great draw, man. He can play the wing on the power play. He's got good leadership qualities. But it's sort of that Eastern bias thing you always hear about because he plays for Detroit, who is currently not in the news. You know, they're not, like, a big name right now. They're They're, they're tanking. He's not getting any love. And this is a guy who is on a six-year deal worth $6 million. He should be making, like, t- at least 10 for his talent. And not only that, but I remember his uh, second season, he didn't really do so good. And I feel like that's still kind of hanging over his head a little bit. Everybody has a sophomore slump. Would you do good if your line mates were consistently a fourth liner and what was left of Henrik Zetterberg's back? Oh. Probably not. And, I mean, one of my biggest regrets, um, not that this is a fantasy podcast, but I remember... I dropped Dale Larkin that season, and uh, somebody in this room, who should not be named, picked uh, them up. Thanks, Aaron. Because Dale Larkin made me look like an idiot, which is not very hard to do, but nonetheless. I remember that happened uh, to me when I had uh, Sean Monahan. And, <laughs> and, and he was doing uh, really bad. And I'm like, all right, 
I use the second rounder on him. I'm getting rid of him. And then, uh, coincidentally, in the playoffs, I got knocked out by a guy who had Sean Monahan. Dude, it's the curse. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, w- without delving into every single draft pick, a couple more surprises I just wanted to see what you uh, thought about was, of course, we just talked about Detroit and Mort Sider. Obviously, like, uh, we talked about him already, I think, but, like, he's a bit of a reach in his position. He's, he's a guy who's got a lot of work to do defensively. Offensively, he's got talent. Um, what about, what do you guys think about the Kirby Doc pick at number three with Chicago? I liked it. Yeah. I think that's a very good pickup. I, I mean, Chicago really needs uh, centers because outside of Jonathan Taves, you have uh, who exactly? Like who? Do you Anisimov, have? who's maybe like a third line center at best at point, on yeah. any other team, but there he's their second I, question mark. I feel like for Doc, it was a bit of a reach to go at three, but listen, it's not like they picked their position. Uh, I just think if it was any other team. Chicago's got their D-line short up for the future. Like, they've got the prospects that they need. That's why they passed on Byram, obviously. But Doc, I really do believe that he is going to be a star. Especially, like, Stan Bowman just has this, this way of drafting guys. If you think he's going to be a star, why do you think he's a reach? It's, it's sort of the whole, you know, overrated thing. Overrated doesn't mean you're bad. It just means that you're being overhyped. I think at that position, I don't understand how you pass on Bowman Byram. Or, to a lesser extent... I don't understand how you don't pick Kirby Doc, or how you pick Kirby Doc over some of the other guys, but I still understand the pick, and I think he's going to be good. It's just, the only other really big, to me, surprise was uh, Vancouver got a really good pick with Vesely Potkolzin. He's, the the reason he fell so far, because I think he could have been a top five pick, was he can't play in the NHL for two years. He's got a KHL contract, so... I mean, like, it was surprising he fell, but also Vancouver, of all places, reaching for that. Uh, aside from Pavel Bure, what other, like, notable Russians does Vancouver have in their arsenal, you know? Exactly. I mean... They got nothing. Yeah. They're the Swedish team, you know? Sandin, Sundin, anything ending in Ian. Isn't uh, Parison mm. Swedish? Who? Isn't uh, Parison Swedish? Uh, yeah. Pedersen, yeah. Pedersen, uh, and then, like... I mean, they love their Europeans, uh, but uh, listen, I think this is a great pick for them. I would, in a few years, the Western Conference with Pud Colson and Horvat and Pedersen, it's going to be, and Besser, it's going to be pretty scary. So, good for Frank Cooper. I think it's a great pick considering they probably should know anyways that they ain't contending for anything anytime soon. Yeah, because yeah, two years from now, I mean... They're probably going to be, no, they are going to be a lot better than they are right now, and they're going to be getting uh, Podkolzin. Yeah, and so. I mean, at the same time, Demko's going to arrive on the scene for, for finally figuring it out. Um, before we get off the draft, there was one more thing to discuss, and that is the, what I like to call the non-first-round notables. So, guys who were drafted outside, uh, we're going to go around again. I just want to get your take on who you thought was the biggest surprise that was not drafted in the first round. So, Parker, we'll start with you. On the spot again. Uh, very curious about this um, Hoaglander guy who, who Niels Hoaglander, uh, who, you, who you said has the best hands in the draft. So this guy's like a Pavel Datsuk almost. Yeah. So like when when they were doing the mock drafts, he was put to the Penguins a couple times, and I was excited because Niels Hoaglander has like 
he's got good offensive upside, defensive upside. He's all right. Like he's not gonna blow your your socks off, but like his hands. Like this is just a guy who could just move the puck. Like think about like uh, like you said, Datsu, um, or even like to a lesser extent, like Artemi Panarin hands. Like he's got like these really like the IQ on him just to move the puck is fantastic. So that's it's interesting pick that he got. And he also went to uh, Vancouver. Yeah, another another mm-hmm. good pick by Vancouver again, and the Swedes. We said this before. Uh, Aaron, how about you? Who do you think was the like the biggest surprise outside the first round? Uh, the person that I think you'll agree with me, Tally of. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, why? What do you think? He about that, easily should have been where he was projected. I think he should have won top fifteen. He has elite scoring potential. One of the most important things in the NHL. One of the things teams pay very highly for and sometimes overpay for but this is a guy that I think easily one day could hit 40s high 40s and I think he'll be at minimum a consistent 30 goal scorer in the league I, I agree um, well he's not my he, has, he has a lack of skating ability which can be worked on in time right he doesn't have the best skating he's not the best mobile guy which obviously maybe is a reason he's led due to the way the NHL is, but nonetheless, he, he can score. Well, the thing that I thought was interesting with him was on the broadcast, when Pittsburgh's pick came up, they talked about, this should be the pick. Like, he ha- he is basically Mike Bossy light. Like, they said, sure, did Mike Bossy hustle every shift? Absolutely not. Did he also score 50 goals? Yeah. Like, if you're scoring 50 goals, it doesn't matter how fast you move. You know what I mean? Like, Ovechkin's doesn't back check really. He's not a great hustler. Like he's had his work ethic issues, but he's scored. Like, I don't understand every team, including Pittsburgh and Tampa, passing on a guy like this. This is a uh, who do you go to? He went to uh, Edmonton. Sorry, not, not Edmonton. Uh, LA. Like that's that's frustrating because LA is one of those teams, you know. And he's gonna get to play alongside Kovalchuk probably and learn from him. Like that's that's scary, you know. And Kopitar sent him up. That, that's going to be, and I, I see him playing. And that's, some, and that's something the Kings need. The Kings need players who can put points on the board. Yeah, for sure. Um, and as far as, like, for me personally, I do agree with the Cali pick being the most surprising. But one that I thought was really, really interesting was Alex Bocage. And he went in the third round, I'm pretty sure, to Colorado. He is so underrated. He's got all the skills to be a top six forward. Which, of course, is not a first-round guy, potentially, but he's got everything. He's going to be good depth for them. He's got good hands. He's good defensively. He has good leadership qualities. I think putting him in a line with McKinnon or even now um, Rantanen, like you're talking about a guy who can maybe be a 60-point guy, too. That's extreme value in, in the 70th well, pick. For me on him, I actually do agree he's another one. Very, very good pick. And I, I look at him hopefully a little quicker he gets to this level, but I think he's going to be exactly the kind of player, an impact player like Max Domi is for Montreal. Yeah, I mean, for sure. He's not afraid to go in the corners either, which is good. Um, but that's the that's the draft, pick, draft picks uh, segment. So, um, uh, of course, very busy offseason as we said at the top of the show. One of those uh, pressing needs is of course the upcoming Frigid Frenzy. July 1st is clo- uh, quickly approaching. There's so many big free agents out there. Um, I think the NHL just released their top 10. Um, but one guy that's been talked about all offseason is Mitch Marner. You know, his agent and his and his father looking for upwards of 11. The Leafs supposedly can't offer really more than 8 or 9. 
I don't know if the Marlowe trade, which we'll talk about later, does anything for that, but um, Aaron, you're like the, I wouldn't say the local Leafs fan, but you're the guy in the know being from Toronto, so I mean, what do you think about Mitch Marner? Like, what do you think he should make? What do you think he's going to get? And where do you think he lands? So, Mitch Marner. Uh, well, Toronto is in a frenzy. I will definitely say that. Toronto is in a mild panic. <laughs> and my opinion on it is, especially with Marlowe getting traded, which that will, I assume, definitely be getting touched on. Yes. Uh, I believe Marner will get signed. Although I do believe there is a chance that, and he already is listening to offers him and his agent, well, they're in discussions with other teams already and plan on having more. But I do believe when all said and done, he will sign the deal and probably be five years, maybe six, because Toronto wants to get as much out of him as they can. But I believe he will stay in Toronto. I don't think there's any worry yet about an offer sheet, and I do think they'll have the cap space to do it. You know, we're, we're definitely going to touch on the Marlowe thing uh, later on in the show. But uh, Mitch Marner, to me, the most interesting thing about him is his agent, uh, which is, I, I want to say it's Darren Ferris is the guy's name. He's, like, one of yes. the most notable agents, not for good reasons. Like, supposedly, he actually, the agency he was in got acquired, um, and they didn't really like the fact that he's kind of like this. Like, he's always been like this for agents. Not to mention Paul Marner, which is Mitch Marner's dad, is sort of like in the right in the center of all this. Like he's trying to get his son the most money. He's, he's basically like the hockey version of LeVar Ball, if you will. At least to me personally, you know what I mean? So I really don't understand what the play is here. Like Mitch Marner is a Toronto kid. He grew up in Toronto. Um, this is his home. He can be a hero. He he'll, If they win a cup here, he will never buy a drink again. Like... Well, I think the answer is obvious. They want to give him as much money as he feasibly can. Uh, Toronto's uh, salary cap be damned. True, true. and uh, you listen, I'm all for Raiders getting the money. If they deserve it. The NHL players are one of the worst-paid leagues in the in the uh, like the Big Four. But the problem I see here is if you're Mitch Marner, look around the league. Like look at just look at who just won the cup, the Blues. Right? They don't have guys making fourteen million dollars. They have guys who make modest, you know, star contracts, and they fill that out around them. Like, if you have Tavares who's making 11, Matthews who's making 10, Nylander's only making 6 or whatever, but now you want 11, like, who else is going to play for your hockey team? Well, I mean, you could also look at a team like Tampa, where each uh, free agent cycle, you see, like, Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman and Nikita Kucherov taking massive, like, discounts, like, yeah. like like some case like three four million pay cuts just to stay with the team because they truly believe that they're going to win a cup with the players they have around them well and, and here's the interesting thing i'm glad you said about tampa because they have a big name for it to come in up too and it's not anton strollman either it's <laughs> uh brandon point who is an rfa of course i mean offer sheets are basically not a thing anymore so i don't know why we'd even consider it but Tampa Bay is not in a position to offer him a lot of money. So I, do you think he's going to get a bridge? Or do you think he's going to get long-term, Parker? I think they want to go for a. I think they're going to be going for a long-term. Uh, that's that's one. That's why they got rid of J.T. Miller. Yeah. yeah so they could free up more space to sign him. I don't see how he could justify, like him or his agent could justify him getting a contract that's more than Kucherov's. That's very true. 
So I think uh, whatever Kucherov is making is probably the ceiling for him. Which, is he 9.5? I want to see his 9.5. I th think. Because to me, like, Brandon Point, he's... Yeah, true. I mean, he went from, like, underrated to right where he needs to be, in public opinion, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Parker's looking up the cat number now, but I definitely agree. Kucherov is your feeling. He did. He was the highest scoring player in modern, in the modern NHL. So yeah, he's, yeah, he's making nine point five. Yeah. So, I mean, Braden Point, he's another interesting one. And if we look at uh, the other players, Steven Sankos is making eight point five, and uh, Victor Hammond's making seven point eight. So, which I mean, no yeah. one's making over ten. Yeah. And it's definitely not going to be Brandon Point is making over 10 because he's not the reason that team succeeds. He is one of the reasons, but he is not the only factor. Um, another guy who is going to get paid this offseason is uh, Artemi Panarin. So we'll play a little game here. Let's play uh, where is Artemi, uh, where in the world is Artemi Panarin? <laughs> Parker, we'll start with you. I wish I could look at what teams have the most cap space. And I'd probably go with Colorado. Colorado has the most cap space for the upcoming season. I don't see him going there. Uh, me neither. I'm thinking maybe Chicago. Ooh, I can see that. See that. Aaron, how about you? What, what do you think? Uh, I'm just going to go bold, but I'm pretty... I have a very confident feeling that the rumors are going to end up being true and him and Bobrovsky both end up in Florida. Wouldn't that be something? Like, wouldn't that just be fantastic? Um, you know what? Artemi Bernard strikes me as a kind of yeehaw guy. I'm saying Dallas. Dallas is intriguing, too. <laughs> I mean, they Let's got money. That's a yeehaw reason. <laughs> Listen. They could probably win a cup if he signs there, honestly. For, I mean, for sure. I mean, like, not even two, three seasons ago, they had the best offense in the NHL. Yeah. And now they have one of the best defenses. They just need the offense to catch back up again. True, true. Um, there's there's a lot of interesting experiences here. Hey, the list is way too long. Um, one of the more interesting ones, of course, is for actual yeehaw reasons, it's Matt Duchesne. And the focal point seems to be Nashville, especially since they traded P.K. Subban, which we're going to get to next. But, I mean, all signs point to him going there. He's a big country music guy, which, of course, is Nashville. He's. They have the cap space for him. They need a center to play behind Johansson. Uh, he owns a cowboy hat. All good reasons. Wow, I own a cowboy hat too. It doesn't mean I want to go. Parker the National confirmed. No. <laughs> he's he's a fit. Um, uh, Aaron, let me ask you this: Being that you are the non-Homer Pittsburgh fan here, who do you think we're going to target? one of the big names if you had to put one out there if I had to put one that's tough uh, well there's multiple ways we can go and obviously being a Pittsburgh fan sadly right now <laughs> yeah. um, I would definitely lean towards us needing to pick up a defenseman and the defensive list is intriguing. We can't go Myers because that's going to cost a billion. Yeah, he wants eight dollars. mil, which that's absurd for eight years. I have something to talk about with him, but okay. later. Okay. Um, 
Um, How about what do you think about uh, Jake Gardner? I, I love the fit there. See, I think Jake Gardner would be good for the team, but he's another one. He's just going to cost too much money. I would just love to watch the world burn. Put Latang, Gabranson, Jack Johnson, and Jake Gardner, all of the defensive liabilities in the NHL, all on one team. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't Jake Gardner roasted nonstop whenever he was on the ice in Toronto? Yeah, but that's all of Toronto. Sorry to our friend of the show, Zach, but uh, that is all of Toronto. Yeah, I, I, I can't stand their sports media. I mean, they just won the NBA, and they're already, like, there's a, some people, not not the majority, but there's, there's quite a few people trying to run Kawhi out of town that are upset that he's going to sign elsewhere, potentially. I mean, not, not to get off track, but I'm just saying, that's Toronto in a nutshell. Um, so, who's your wish list, is what I, I guess I could ask. Because mine's Gardner, so who, who would you want? I mean... Out of the defenseman, yeah, Gardner I like. And, but I think another one that's really intriguing, whether he stays or not on his current team. But I'm really intrigued for Pittsburgh's fit. I like Matt Zuccarello. That is another good one, yeah, for sure. Which we just talked about. I just about really think he would fit. You know, we have a thing for people with weird names, so I like that fit too. Um, and it, I mean, we can't we can't end this discussion without asking Parker who's your wish list candidate for free say if you had to pick one. Well, I can't pick Carlson anymore, so uh, my w- my wish list is probably gonna be a brain point. So re-signing a player you have you have no mm-hmm. other aspirations. Uh, we're not gonna have the cap space to get anyone else. That's that's true. So I mean, yeah, we we aren't really in the position to get anyone, and next next year we're gonna need to worry about re-signing Vasilevsky. So, I mean, we're not, unless if we trade Tyler Johnson and Pollard and Kalorn or something. Right, right. Um, which I don't think is going to happen yet. Not yet. So, you had something you wanted to say about Myers before we get off of FAs? Yeah, uh, I don't understand how he's in a position to make 8 mil when he wasn't even the third best defenseman on his team. Like, with the, like on, on the Jets, uh, big buff. Right. Uh... Morrissey and Truba. Who is gone. Yes, but when they were, they were all right. on the same team, all three of them were better than him. Yeah, absolutely. By a lot. And sure, you can pull up the statistic and be like, oh, Morrissey had like 10 less points than him. And I was like, yeah, Morrissey was also out half the year. True. So. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Myers is, listen, I'm just going to say a big thank you to Kevin Hayes for helping the offseason get up to a, a rip-roaring start because he just... The market was like okay, and then oh, Kevin Hayes is like that. nope, and he just gets was it seven million for for seven years something like that. I think it was six, six. No, or seven. No, no, it was yeah, seven mil. It was over seven. Oh, yeah, yeah, seven, it was, yeah, seven, it was seven eight. Seven. And it was a terrible contract. And it's in like, my opinion, good player. Not that money. Did, did, like, good. And this is where it comes into play. Goal scoring is at an ultimate premium. He's mm-hmm. a one-time 20-goal scorer in his career. One-time. And he got $7 million. The only thing that is very usable about him is he can play anywhere. Well, yeah, he's never hit uh, 60 points in a season. Like yeah. the, the way that I look at like if I was a GM and if I were handing out uh, contracts, I would do it like where uh, for each like 10 points you make is a mil. So like if you – like. Like okay, like, like okay. So if you, you know, if your ceiling's sixty points, six then you're making mil. six mil a year. I mean, that's kind of how we look at it now. But GMs, for whatever reason, don't. 
to me, the thing with Kevin Hayes is like, more specifically, my problem was with the Philadelphia Flyers. What is you doing? Like, first of all, you signed Kevin Hayes to that contract. Then you trade Radko Gudis, who, by all rights, is not a great defenseman, but he's not a bad defenseman for Matt Niskanen, who is a bad defenseman, who makes, I'm pretty sure he makes more. What, what's going to happen when they have to re-sign their young players they are actually good? You know, I mean... Like Ghost and... Uh, uh, Ghost is probably not going to be on Philly by the start of Right, because there's still a lot of trade rumors of them. I, I mean, and if they keep coaching Nolan Patrick like they've been coaching him, they won't have to worry about paying him anything because he's going to be terrible. They're, they're, they're running his development into the ground. Yeah, I, I thought he was supposed to be really good. I mean, that draft as a whole was trash, but like, it's not like he's a bad player. Same thing with Heischer. They kind of have the same ceiling. Like, they're top six guys. Heischer's a little better, but like Patrick... He's being used as a bottom six forward at this point, and that's not what he is. He's a power forward who can play wing or center. Put him with Claude Drew, shut up. Very simple. See, for me, Patrick, it, I mean, I agree. It was a terrible draft, one of the worst in recent memory. Uh, he sure, I do believe he was worthy of being a top five pick. Well, top three even. I won't say he's lower. Thing is, He's, I don't think in the NHL he's not fit to be a point guy. He's not going to put up your big points. He is a power forward, typically not your big point guys to be in with. thing that he's lacking, which maybe is the reason he's lower in the lineup, I still don't think you should. I still think he should be getting a chance, rather. He should be on the second line, I'd say, more often than not. thing is, he's a power forward. His defensive game is still not the strongest as of yet. His face-off game has been fairly weak, and he just doesn't get doesn't get the greatest opportunities in offensive zone yet. He hasn't maximized that offensive potential that he does have. Well, Stamkos never developed the defensive game until he was 26, so... He also broke two femurs. What's your excuse for that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, truth be told, like, Philly always has a way of just messing it up, but like... Yeah, like, I've, I noticed this when uh, they had the Cavalier, who at that point in his career was like, you, he could still score goals as long as he was on a top line. If he was on the same line as Giroux, he would still be able to put up like 30 goals, something like that. And they were like, no, you're going to be, you know, you're not really playing that good. You're just going to be on the bottom. And it's like, what? They love signing guys who are past their prime. Like like you said, the Cavalier, Briere. I mean, I don't I can't believe they let Wade Simmons walk because he's a perfect candidate for past his prime. They got ready $5 million, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, not that this is a Philadelphia discussion, but I just like Philadelphia. Just, yeah, you, you think you're gonna do that? You think they're gonna do that with the? It doesn't matter with, who you're with, about to ask. With, with what's his name? Absolutely, the, the guy they just signed. I can't remember his name right a, now. But any player that they're that they're signing, yes, they're gonna do that with because that's just the Philly way. That's the that's the Philly model is is being bad. Sorry. Um, the the biggest thing that happened this weekend. Aside from Fred Frenze, because there's just too many to talk about, is of course PK Subban getting traded yet again from Nashville to New Jersey. And I just want to point one thing out: the full trade now is Shea Weber from Nashville for oh, and PK Subban for two second-round picks, Jeremy Davies and Steve Santini. So for Shea Weber and PK Subban, you've got two second-round picks and two eh, defenders. Nice, good, good trading. I, I don't understand. This it. was also a GM who was nominated for a GM award. Yeah, I mean, Dave Poyle, listen, I said this the other day. I truly, 
unequivocally believe that this gaffing of a trade completely negates the Forsberg for Erat trade. Like, all the goodwill that you built up from that trade is gone now. Because you traded two of the best defensemen that you'll ever have to play with for your franchise for potentially Nothing. two bottom six defensemen and two second round picks. Which, unless the second round picks turn into, you know... Nikia Kucherov. <laughs> <laughs> I have one point to say on this, although, now trust me, not saying it was a good return because, dear lord, when I heard that return, I was stunned. <laughs> one of the worst returns I've ever seen for a player of PK Subban caliber. Because um, there's no way, you should, no matter what, you should at least get a first round pick out of that as a minimum. Probably a really decent prospect, too. But that being said, the reason they got less is because they didn't eat any cap. They True. got to trade that whole contract away, which is huge because you almost always have to eat a couple million of cap on a contract with that minimum if you're trying to move them. But, again, that being said, the return still terribly low. Should have got, like I say, a decent to high-end prospect and a first-rounder, plus a roster player. That's what they should have got. Oh, for sure. Just no ifs, ands, or buts. Well, and look, the thing is, I understand it's a cap dump. I understand you have guys you need to resign and stuff like that. But that that's fine. I just don't... Are you telling me no other team in the NHL was like, hey, we'll give you money for PKC event? Ottawa, who needs players. They, they just need people to play hockey for them. You're telling me they couldn't offer you anything. You couldn't get a prospect, a pick... I know they're not going to trade a first-round pick anymore, because what they did, probably. I hope not. But you told me you couldn't get anything off of them. You couldn't get anything off of Colorado. There's no team that was willing to give you anything but Steve Santini and a NCAA defenseman. Who now, made I will say, Toronto apparently was offering pretty decently for him. And from what I've heard from being here, I'm looking at all our analysts, our beautiful analysts here, <laughs> Uh, I do hear that a first-round pick was possibly uh, available from Toronto, as well as, I believe, one of the younger defensive prospects. And it did not go through because Toronto wanted them to probably about $3 million of that cap. Right. Which so that instantly turned natural off of it. Well, and that's a good, like lead in too because we we wanted to talk about the Marlowe trade um, for those of you who don't know the full trade was Patrick Marlowe from Leafs uh, to Carolina and Carolina gave up uh, well sorry it was Patrick Marlowe a first and a seventh to Carolina for a sixth round pick which is essentially a pay for a cap dump um, so being that you have the connections here what do you think about this trade now I do believe a first round pick is steep as it really is. Which is it's protected. It's already protected, keep in mind. But it's a low it's it's gonna be a low pick for one. And in the end, if this keeps if this allows you to keep Marner and El well as, as everyone probably heard, Captain and Janssen are both signed already or pretty much waiting have to be kind of paper, deals. but yeah, the deals are done, right. So their deals are locked and they're both very good deals because everyone thought they were gonna both make well, just over four million, they got just over three. One for four years, that's Janssen, and one for three, which is Kapanen. But that being said, you had space to sign them, and this, for the most part, once you move Zaitsev, which he will be gone 
and one or two other notable players. You will have the room for Marner, and if he agrees, this trading Marlowe with the first-round pick doesn't look so bad. Uh, I guess. I mean, for sure, the, the points should be called Kapanen and Johnson signing. They're very good. Plus, I mean, if they really, really want to re-sign Gardner, they can now. They do have the cap space to get it done, especially, like, we talked about, like, assuming that a Marner deal will get done or will not get done either way, you will have cap space to get one of them. So, good for them. Uh, Dubis, I think, got himself out of a hole that he didn't really dig himself into. I mean, that wasn't his deal, I don't think. I think that was a Lula deal. No. Exactly, yeah. so. I mean, good now, for Now, another thing before we move on to this. Mm-hmm. I do believe Gardner's time in Toronto is done simply for the fact that Toronto is looking like they're going to use a lot of uh, younger guys lower down in their lineup. I'm not saying Gardner was a low pair in defense, but he was usually second pair, sometimes first. But Sandine more than likely will be up next year, I'd assume, or at some point next year. Lilligren, too. And Lilligren's a very big possibility, too. So Can't wait to I see him up. Those yeah. will be the replacements for Gardner. Well, and like another. I mean, there's the, the two other trades that happened this uh, week. They weren't like big names. Like, we talked about JT Miller, so we won't go too far into it. That was obviously a similar situation with Cap Dump. Um, but uh, to me, the, another interesting one was the Truba trade. Like, I like that he came out and said why he wanted a trade. Like, he made it very clear that this is not about the team. It was not about him not liking the Jets. It was about he wants to be in the States. He's from here. He wants to be closer so that his. Uh, fiance, I believe it is, um, can pursue her, her dream as well. She's going to be a doctor, and she's going to do, um, what do you call it, the, the understudy for a doctor, essentially. Um, I think it's called clinical. So he wanted to be closer to the States so he could be closer to her. Um, of course, the Jets did him a favor, traded him to the New York Rangers. The Rangers, you talk about a team who last, last offseason said we're going to be doing a rebuild. They did this perfectly. You know what I mean? Like They got picks, prospects, they drafted well. They get Capococco, who's going to be a franchise-altering forward for them. He, they've got Jacob Truba now. I mean, this is a team that's going to compete, I think, truly. Uh, and they're making the most of what's left of Henry Conquest, if you ask me. Um, one other thing that was uh, on the topic of discussion, of course, as it always is, was the 2020 draft. Now, I don't know, I know Parker is not the biggest draft guy, but Aaron, you're like me, you kind of study this kind of thing, right? Relatively, yep. So, um, a couple of the prospects that they were talking about that could be, I mean, the names next year are Alexis Lafreniere. I mean, he's the big guy to talk about. Um, uh, it, it's too early, obviously, to give any projections on what teams are going to be bad and good. You can assume Ottawa's going to be bad. But what do you think in comparison? They're calling this the best draft class since McDavid. How do you, how do you feel about this 2020 draft class? Uh... I still have a minimal knowledge on this draft for the most part. I haven't fully started my research yet, other than obviously you're notable, which is Lafreniere. Right. And I do believe he's going to be a franchise changing forward. He looks like he's perfect for today's game. He has a little bit of size. He's not huge. Doesn't have the big weight or anything, but obviously he's young. He's a kid. He'll grow into it. Essentially, yeah. And I. From what I'm hearing, though, it does sound like it's going to be a mega deep draft. Good players could be good, like, top six, top nine players to, like, 
possibly a third round. Yeah, it's supposed to be really cut. Um, couple couple names to keep out uh, in mind for because I, I I love this stuff. Like I love going to the drafts early. Um, of course, Lafreniere is the guy. The skill drop off is pretty mighty, but that's not a shot at the guys below him. It's just a testament to how good he is. It's similar to McDavid Eichel. Um, Quinn by Qu- uh, Quintin Byfield is by far the next best guy. He's a big, rangy center, great wingspan. You think about somebody like Bergeron, um, uh, Alex uh, Holtz from the Swedish Elite League. Looks like he's going to be a, a terror to play against. Lucas Raymond, same thing, Swedish Elite League. And I love to go through the first round and pick out my favorite name from every uh, draft. This year it was Thomas Harley. Next season it's for sure going to be Hendrix Lapierre, who's supposed to be pretty good. He's a, like a top 15 pick. Yeah. I, I really do think that the 2020 draft, I know we just finished 2019 up, and it was a great draft for all around, especially for USA and Russia, as we said. But this is going to be an extremely good draft and an extremely good Swedish draft, which who doesn't love Sweden, you know? Yeah. Still in Holloway, guy looks pretty good. He's another one. There's there's some very interesting names coming up this season that are going to be um, prospects next year. A lot of WHL guys, which, as we all know, the WHL has the best names. <laughs> so like, I see a German guy on here that's up pretty high. Uh, Tim Stutzel. <laughs> I think that's my favorite name in the draft. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't think you can get better than that name. I mean, listen. It... <laughs> I'm glad to see Germany's making an impact on hockey. Moritz Seider is a German guy. Ooh. So, you know. Yeah, the only uh, German uh, players that I know were... Uh, uh, he used to play for Pittsburgh, and now he's with the Islanders. Uh, Grice. No. No, the other... No, the forward. Kunakl? Yes. Okay. I love Kunakl. I love him so much, can't remember his name. Yeah, Tom Kuna. He's a free to the season, too. If you ask me, he's also, the biggest deal. We're forgetting the best German player, uh, Dry Cycle. Uh, you, mean, you mean McDavid's landmate? Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're all forgetting about uh, Danny Heatley. Greatest of all time. He was born in Germany. He's not German. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't count. Listen, without. We're going to the future here. We're already in 2020, which is fantastic. But the the obviously the biggest thing coming isn't the draft. It is Seattle will begin playing in 2021. Um, we went through this at the end of last season here on Daft Picks. Uh, we had some pretty great names, so we won't go through the, the Seattle potential team names again. But one thing that is worth noting is it sounds like they've settled on the Seattle Sockeyes or Seattle Steelhead, something like that. A fit. It's going to be a fish. So, the, the color is going to be light green and salmon. So, all I'm saying is Seattle is going to be interesting. I'm excited for this upcoming offseason, what we're going to go through. You know? I agree. I agree. I think it's going to be a very fun offseason. And what we have to remember, too, this offseason, especially next offseason, there's going to be lots of trades, lots of moves, getting ready draft. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I think this might be when Tyler Johnson leaves the Lightning. You think so? Yeah. I, I don't see him getting kept this time. As much as I love him, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, you know, it's hard to say. It depends on what kind of money he wants. It's the give and take of the NHL. Well, 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 no, I mean, no, I mean, he still has five years remaining, oh. but it's like, I, I think he's going to get picked in, in the expansion oh. draft. You know, that's a really good thing I didn't think about. There was... Who, did, who just re-signed a deal... 
that has exchange rejection protection. There was a guy who just resigned, um, Edler from Vancouver. He had it put in his deal that he has exchange rejection protection, which is the first time we see something like that. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, well, I know I know the ones that uh, have uh, like a no movement clause. They're already oh, exempt so from the written in there, right? Six, yeah. Right. Which that's that's cool. Um, the only other big talking point. Of course, there's, there's plenty of fringes to talk about, just way too many for us all to cover on one show. Um, we'll do that in our follow-up episode, but the biggest talking point of the weekend wasn't necessarily the draft. It was that they didn't know what the salary cap was going to be at the draft. It was first on, like, Wednesday night, it was, eh, it'll be between 80 and 83. Then it was draft night, it'll be between 81 and 82. Now, Saturday, they're like, yeah, you know what, it's going to be 82 million. And... I mean, if I'm a GM, does that million or .5 make that much of a difference to me? Probably not. But there are some teams that can use that, and I like to think that the NHL... Teams that are up against the wall need to know what that number is. Like teams like Toronto or Tampa. Exactly. It, it, it makes you ask the question, would that deal have been done? Which I assume it would have been. But would you have forced that Marlow trade if you knew what the cap was going to be? If they knew that the cap was still going up about $300,000, like, would they have forced that trade? Could they have waited, like... I really think the NHL messed this one up. Shocking that the NHL messes something up, right? Yeah, they should probably do a thing like every other league where they have a date when you know you put out what the cap's going to be. Because the NHL is the only one I believe that doesn't have like a hard deadline for when they yeah. set it. Yeah, pretty much. They, it's normally it's like, oh, we do it around uh, this time. It's, uh, it's a month that ends with 30 or 31 days usually. That's when they decide. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know... The offseason is on us, and all I'm going to say is I am extremely excited to see what happens. I'm afraid to say this is the first year that silly season is going to be real. Like, there's going to be so many teams, like, moving around, players, like, trades, signings. I, I literally cannot wait for July 1st. With that said, I think that's basically it here for this episode. Um, so we wanted to quickly talk about what we're going to be doing going forward with the uh, Pick Season 2. We're going to be having uh, episodes basically either weekly or bi-weekly, you know. Um, we're going to stick with this format. You know, we'll have a guest on every show or so. Kind of get somebody in there. Aaron's going to be a pretty regular guest, so get used to hearing his bad takes. Um, the other thing we're experimenting with is uh, keep an eye on Daft Picks Twitter, which is now Daft Picks Productions on Twitter. Um, we'll be having some of us come on for vlogs, especially during Free Agent Frenzy. We might have, a, if there's a big one, like Martin of the Breaks, we might have a little bit of an emergency update on there. Trying to do a little bit more fan interaction. By all means, tweet us your questions for next episode. We'll be following up on the Fragent Frenzy, as well as our early off-season predictions. That's it for this one. Thank you all for listening to Daft Picks Season 2, Episode 1. We want to thank you all for, uh, for listening to last season as well and helping us uh, grow a little project into something special. All I have to say is uh, congratulations to the St. Louis Blues on the Stanley Cup and play Gloria.